Hello, everyone. Welcome to Peace of Authenticity Podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Jordan. And we are the Andersons. In 2020, the Lord really challenged us on starting our own podcast. And so we invite you to join us on the journey of following Jesus every day. So let's grow together and learn together. What's up, everybody? Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. Welcome back. Listen, we have a lot of information in this podcast today. So we are not going to play around on the introduction because we got to get right to it. And just know you can pause this and jot down notes and start it again. Don't get overwhelmed. Yeah. There's a lot of information, but it's It's, so good. It's a lot of information because we're talking about one of the coolest things. So when we were in Israel, we got to go to Caesarea Philippi, Mm -hmm. which next episode we're going to be talking about that. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for Caesarea Philippi. All right. But above Caesarea Philippi is the one and only Mount Hermon. Yeah, because pretty much Caesarea Philippi is like on the bottom of the mountain. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like built into the, yeah, like Mm -hmm. builds all the way up to the mountain. So we got to go there. But here's what's cool about Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is believed to be, many scholars believe that this is the place where the transfiguration happens yeah, you heard in us Matthew right. 17. <laughs> That's right. So we're sitting here at Mount Hermon. Brad's taking us all up these little hiking trails. It's hot. It is hot. And we're up on this mountain. There's rocks everywhere. So it's basically like you sit on a rock or you sit on a rock. That's, That's about you it. You sit on the rock Some, or you sit on really rough grass that hurts you. Yeah. It, either way, it's hurting your touch. And I'm going, <laughs> man, why are we up here on this mountain? And then we get up to the top. We find a little, like a little bit of shade. Mm-hmm. Like we sit down, and Brad goes, "You guys could be sitting where experts believed that the transfiguration happened. It could have been anywhere on top of this mountain." And we we're like, Pfft. "Yeah, it's amazing because, like, okay, so a couple reasons that this could be the mountain. Just real quick, yeah, is Mount Hermon has always been known as a sacred mountain." Um, and so it actually says, well, we'll go further into that later, but you'll see. Yeah. It has been called mm-hmm. Sacred Mountain. And also, it is, like we said, so close to Caesarea Philippi, which something happened in Caesarea Philippi literally right before this transfiguration. So it's most likely, it has to yeah. be that mountain. It's also the tallest mountain in Israel. So many things lining up as to why this is the yeah. exact mountain where the transfiguration So occurred. in Matthew 16, mm-hmm. they uh, experts say that Matthew 16 happened in Caesarea Philippi. Yes. Which is at the foot. It's at the foot. So if we're just a little bit later, just a few days later, right, it's believed that Matthew 17 is taking place up on Mount Hermon, the tallest mountain in Israel, right? In the world. Not in the world. In In Israel. But in Israel. So, okay, so we're going to dive right in. If, for those that don't know what the transfiguration is, you about to find out. Strap your seatbelt on because here we go. All right, so Matthew 17, it says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Oh, no big deal. Okay, yeah, we have to stop right there just for one second because what 
And also, what were they saying? We don't know that, but... Yeah, we don't know what they're saying. I would have loved to have been in on this... What I wouldn't give to be Peter, James, or John in this moment, because you're literally talking about two of the most famous Israelites in the history of, of the people, right? You're talking, you're talking about a mind-blowing experience. Not only are you sitting there going, okay, Jesus is glowing, like... <laughs> Yeah. already Not only. and and we've been walking around in the desert for all these days but his clothes are as white like somebody bleached his whole outfit he's shining he's radiating this is happening but then you're going but then you have to ask all the question also how did they know it was Elijah and Moses these guys didn't know what they look like oh, <laughs> they man. didn't have photos back and then maybe Elijah was looking kind of rough didn't he wear like stuff similar to John the Baptist <laughs> yeah. so he's like that's definitely Elijah it could be it could be or <laughs> You know, when Jesus is glowing, obviously the Lord is there mm-hmm. and revealed through the it, Holy Spirit. I think that that's what that's, it was. That's ultimately. how to be what it is. I mean, there are context clues, but also the Holy Spirit does a lot better yeah. job than we do. <laughs> yeah. So, so here we go back into verse four and it says, Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. I can't even imagine <laughs> the words to say it's if wonderful. I would have been there. Lord, if you want to have Moses and Elijah appear right here on this podcast, that would be amazing. But here, Peter's, it's wonderful to be here. If you want, I will make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and the other one for Elijah. So remember last podcast, this is the reason why we move forward to the transfiguration with this one is because we were literally talking about the Feast of Booths. We were talking about the the Festival of Tabernacles, right? Um, Where everybody comes into Jerusalem and they set up tents, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This is a thing that even though people in in the, the culture right now have homes and everything like that, I think that what Peter is doing is establishing that this is something that's crazy so let's momentous this is momentous memorial yeah so let's build a memorial let's set up tents and let's stay here as long as we can because this is amazing yes and peter was actually connecting it to something that had happened in exodus which are you going to keep reading so then we'll go to that later no i just kind of wanted to you know just kind of touch on this um that but even as he spoke a bright cloud overshadowed them And a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. And the disciples were terrified and they (laughs) fell down on the ground on their face. Okay. So we're in Matthew 17. Okay. I'm just laughing at Peter. Yeah. No, Peter, Peter is a clown. We, we like to, we like to hate, uh, not, not hate. Never. We, We like to, um, um, like find humor in the life of Peter. Peter makes me feel good about myself a lot as a follower of Jesus. Well, and he's the guy that will always talk first. Like, this is yeah. the most amazing, this is amazing, should I make shelters? And then the <laughs> Lord interrupts him with this amazing thing and he falls on his face. Like, I just picture yeah. this where he just had to say something. <laughs> yeah, it, it was probably like a really awkward, overwhelming <laughs> moment. And Peter was the guy. We all know somebody that when the moments get awkward and you don't really know what to say, they'll just say something. Or you just that don't have words. Yeah, they just. Uh, but there is always. We all know somebody that's that like, I gotta say something. Has words. Yeah, Peter. Peter is that guy. And so Peter now is down on his face. But, but what what uh, what we think is is cool, right? Is is um, the connection 
all right? Mm-hmm. The connection back to Exodus. Yes. Where... Um, which might be why Peter said what he said. Right. Which is, okay, so in Exodus, a moment just like this happened mm-hmm. in Exodus 24. Yeah, 24, um, not 25. Yeah, and so what was the... <laughs> wait, what did you say? Uh, that's Exodus 25. Go to, go oh, my bad. Yeah, no, 24. I just, make I just sure clicked ahead earlier. All right. Um, so verse 15 of, of Exodus 24... Moses climbed up the mountain and a cloud covered it. Okay? So so what did we just read in Matthew 17? That a cloud overshadowed Jesus, Moses, Elijah, Peter, James, and John are yeah. on top of this mountain and a cloud overshadowed them. Here we have the connection in, in Exodus 24 because um, there's a yet another cloud. Um mm-hmm. And the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. Okay, what's the connection there? Mm-hmm. The six days. Remember Matthew seventeen at the very beginning. It says after six days, right? In the in the beginning, the okay. the connection there. Yeah, in in oh, Matthew wow. Matthew seventeen. Six days oh. later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers. So we have a six days connection. We have a cloud connection. You we, connected that without yeah. telling me. And on the seventh day, so this is on the seventh day, right? Because the Bible says that Jesus on the seventh day, right after six days, means that we are currently resting on the seventh day. Oh my Jesus Lord. goes up onto the mountain with Peter, James, and John. So on the seventh day in Exodus, the Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud. So here we have this connection, right? Because why why is it important for those of us that are followers of Jesus? Why is it important for us to connect the dots to Moses? The answer to that question lies in Deuteronomy. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I didn't have... When you ask the question, I started thinking, I don't know, but I do. But... <laughs> She's... <laughs> you just so surprised me with the day thing. Yeah, I didn't know about it. I know. It just blew my mind. The, the connections there are just oh out of gosh. control. So, so in Deuteronomy, we have the key to unlocking why the disciples, why the Israelites are, are always trying to connect Jesus to Moses. Mm-hmm. Because... Let's, let's also not forget that in this letter, the book of Matthew was a letter. Matthew was writing to a Jewish audience. So the Jews, because they followed the law, right? The Israelites, they followed the law. Moses was like the greatest the all-star yeah. that there ever was. So for in Matthew's case, he's literally saying, if I can get my fellow Israelites to see the connection between Jesus and Moses, then they will believe that he's the Messiah. They will know that he's Mm -hmm. the Messiah and they will be saved. So Matthew is constantly trying to connect Jesus back to Moses, not because they're equals, but because of what Moses says in Deuteronomy. Yes, but real quick, can I? Yes, I will. But there's this connection further on that I just saw in Exodus. Um, So after that, where the Lord you know, came down on the mountain and Moses was there. I said he stayed there for 40 days and 40 nights. So that's probably why Peter wanted the tents so they could stay those extra 40 days and 40 right. nights. Right, right. Because, I mean, as we say on, on, the, on the podcast many times, these these are simple fishermen. Yeah, but, but they, they know knew their Torah. The Old Testament. Yeah. They knew the scripture. So 
for Moses to be there, for Elijah to be there, for all of these dots to be connecting, Peter automatically jumps to, well, in Exodus, right? Yeah, this is what happened. Moses stayed there for 40 days. So So we need some tents. Let me build you guys some tents because we're going to be camping out for 40 days. So, yeah, I just It could be there, yeah. But so here's Mm -hmm. why it's important for Matthew to connect his readers, his audience, with Moses. So this is what Moses says in Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 17. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, for your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God and see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. So there's just an interesting thing here at the very beginning when Moses says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet just like me from among you from your brothers. It is him you shall listen. Okay. So there's another connection. Yes, there is. Moses says, I'm going to raise up another one just like me from inside the people. You should listen to him. In Matthew 17, what did God say? What did the booming voice come out of the sky and say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You must listen to him. The connection. Boom. The connection. Here's here's another connection. If you need to push pause at any time, go ahead because this is a lot of stuff. Here's another connection. Exodus 34. This is Moses coming back down from, from the mountain, right? 40 days. He stays up there with the Lord. Verse or chapter 34, verse 29 comes down and says, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands. He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had just spoken with the Lord. What's that other connection? Jesus Jesus was glowing. His clothes were glowing. And here's how you know Jesus is better than Moses, how he was the Messiah and Moses was not. It was only Moses' face that was glowing. It literally just says the skin of his face was glowing and then Jesus was radiating out like... So you have the connections there. You have... You have Matthew that's trying to tell his readers that, hey, you guys, Moses glowed. He was glowing. (laughs) Is that even a word? Glowed. (laughs) I don't know. He glowed. But but he's glowing. And so he's trying to connect. Jesus did the same thing. How did Mm -hmm. Matthew know that? Mm. Because he's one of the disciples. Yeah. And he knew his Torah and he was connecting all these things. And he's like, therefore, if Jesus is the Messiah, he's the second Moses. Let's find all these connections. And bam, there they all are. They're just right there. But listen to him, okay? So mm-hmm. it, it says, listen to him. That's what the Lord is saying. There's all these witnesses there. Okay, so now we have to ask the question. Yes. Why was Moses and Elijah present, right? Yeah. And and there's no biblical evidence to back this up, but Jordan and I were talking about this, and I said, what would be a cool image here is if Elijah was here on one side, Moses was here on the other side and Jesus was in the middle because it was a it would be a illustration of Jesus being the fulfillment of both. Why does Jesus have to be the fulfillment of both? Because in order for him to be the Messiah, mm-hmm. in order for him to be who he said that he was, in order to be who God said, right? Because this is an audible voice from the Lord that is coming out that says, this is my beloved son. Also, let's not forget, this is the second time that an audible voice from the Lord has come out 
in a moment with Jesus where he said, this is my son in whom I'm Mm -hmm. well pleased. But this time it's different because Matthew chapter three, I think if don't, don't quote me on baptism of Jesus, the baptism of Jesus, we know that he's standing there. John, him and John the Baptist are going back and forth. And John says, I don't deserve to be able to baptize you. Mm. You know, you should baptize me. And, and so Jesus goes under the water he comes up. John ends up baptizing Jesus. He comes up. The Bible says that a dove yeah. comes down. Sorry, my mind's and the, the presence of the Lord comes down. And a voice from out of nowhere says, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay. So this is the second time in Matthew 17 that this yeah. is happening. Sorry, my mind just Go ahead. got blown. Yeah. Um, this is something I have to say later because I will confuse the audience. But... It's amazing. A connection that I got. With John and Elijah. A little. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So here we go. This, this is why. All right. This is why Elijah and, and Moses are the ones, right? Are we at that spot? Yeah. um, But remember Matthew five, that was really powerful. What Jesus said earlier too. Matthew chapter five. Okay. So again, oh. this is Matthew. Do we want to say what they symbolize first or read this and then say what? Yeah, we'll, we'll okay. go there. Matthew 5, verse 17. It says, do not think. This is Jesus talking. He's, he's talking to, uh, I don't know, is he talking to a group of people? or? Yeah, wait, Matthew I think 5. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus is literally saying, because a lot of people, you know, we're, we're in confusion about what's happening. Jesus says, don't be confused. I have not come to get rid of the law. Mm -hmm. I've not come to, uh, you know, to get rid of everything Moses taught or anything like that. He goes, I've come to be the fulfillment, the fulfillment of Deuteronomy, the fulfillment of everything that the prophets prophesied to come. And, and I hope that along these podcasts, you have been able to recognize that we've been trying to paint the picture of who Jesus really is by connecting all the stories that we talk about to a prophet mm-hmm. or to the law so that that way you can, we can all ultimately see together that Matthew chapter 5, what Jesus is saying right here, that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of both the law and and the prophets. And that is why the poster children of the law and the prophets are there with Jesus. Yeah. So Elijah was one of the most famous prophets, probably the most famous prophet oh, yeah, in, sure. in his Israel history. So it makes sense that Moses, the one who God gave the law to, and Elijah, one actually the, the one prophet that actually never died, Elijah wow. was taken up in a chariot. Uh, and so... We have these two dudes standing here. So this is like a powerful moment. But there's so many things. There's so many dots oh that, that are connecting with this thing. And so uh, what so, else? Okay. What's so awesome too is another connection, of course, with the Psalms in this portion. Mm. Okay. This is Psalms 43 and Psalms 43. Ooh, I'm excited. Psalms 43 literally shows us the transfiguration before it ever even happened. Yeah. 
Yeah. So so let's let's go here. <laughs> Psalms 43, starting in verse one. There's only five verses, so we're gonna read the whole thing. Declare me innocent, O God. This is David. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from these unjust liars. Verse two. For you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Verse three, send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of God, to God, the source of all my joy. I will praise you with my harp, O God, my God. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. So let me take you um, to verse 3, which talked about light and truth. And it specifically says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill. Insert Mount Hormone. What? (laughs) I got too excited. (laughs) Hormone. Okay. The mountain that they're on, Transfiguration. Okay. The holy hill and your dwelling. Okay. So I want to talk about the light and the truth for a second. The light we have talked about with Moses. Yes. So he and the law signifies the light. Yes. And then Elijah, the truth, the prophets spoke the truth. So there's the prophets and the law, right? So it says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill, to your dwelling, a.k.a. Transfiguration. Transfiguration. We have, Right, Jordan said, we have the light. Moses' face was radiant. Jesus' whole body, not even just his body, but his clothing are radiating so this is pointing to the light and i also want to point out the fact that when we did the other uh we did the ingetti podcast if you haven't seen those please go back and watch them but we also connected how many of the prayers that david wrote out in psalms god actually answered those prayers in future generations through jesus mm-hmm. i just think that it's amazing I think I think that it's cool because I'm sitting here saying, listen, God is faithful and he does whatever he wants. Maybe things aren't going in your timing. Or are you able to pray and stand on prayers that might not be answered for future generations? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's just so cool. But we have the light established. We have in in accordance with two or more witnesses, mm-hmm. right? We have Jesus radiating so that was a symbol of god saying that i've sent my son into the world to be the light light. of the world yeah i also think that it was cool what you said earlier about the the moses moses radiated or Mm. reflected yes moses reflected the light but jesus illuminated Mm. the light yeah so moses it was just a reflection on his skin because of the time he spent with the lord yeah but jesus just started illuminating it because he is the lord yeah and it Wow. Yeah. And so we we have that in, in Psalms 43. We have let your, did it, what did it say? Um, let send your, out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Okay. So we have the light established. We, we have that there. <clears throat> Where is truth? All right. I don't know. Where is it? Or to, to quote Pontius Pilate, what is truth? <laughs> anyway, that's something else. Okay, so John chapter 14, verse 6. This is another statement that Jesus is saying and he's teaching, and this is what he says about himself. 
And Jesus told him that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He is the truth. He, he is, is the, the light. He is the, the light. So the very thing that David is saying, Lord, send this to me, God already had a plan in place to send his son into the world to be the very thing that David was praying for mm. in Psalms 43. Oh, <laughs> I just think that's so powerful. Go ahead and pause real quick. Yeah. Just sit there for a second. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's oh my powerful. gosh, there's, there's a little bit more to learn, but all of these mm. connections are so intentional and so amazing. It's like we couldn't not share them all with you. Um, so the next one is, so we were, we've been talking about the Torah. We've been talking about the Old Testament, right? So the Old Testament to the Hebrews is called the Tanakh, okay? Yeah. And so in the Tanakh, there are three different sections for them. There is the law, there is the prophets, and there is Psalms. And so I want to read to you one more time what the Lord said in the loud, booming voice during the transfiguration, he said, This is my son, for whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Simple, simple statement, right? Mm. Amazing statement, but super simple. But everything the Lord says is extremely intentional. Study it. Every stinking word. Because yeah. I'll tell you right now, those three disciples that were watching this scene, they know the Tanakh backwards and frontwards, like we've said. They know it, right? And so he literally says in that tiny statement, the Lord literally explains through every single section of the Tanakh how Jesus is his son and the Messiah. Okay, so let me just take you into um, the first part. This is my son. That's found. I'm not going to read it to you guys, but it's found in Psalms 2-7. That Psalms is, is read during the coronation of the kings of Israel. Okay. Mm. Hmm. Jesus is the... Yeah. King. Yeah. So, so tell them a little bit more about the, the kings. Oh, oh, the coronation. Okay. Yeah. So it was it was just a thing everyone in Israel knew that whenever a king became a king, he was an adopted son of God. Mm. The Lord adopted him. So that's why it says in Psalms two verse seven, "This is my son." Um, mm. And that's just how adoption went back then. Um, you could, if there was this man that wanted to adopt this boy, he would take him out into the open, like middle of the city. And he would say, mm. this is my son. There's no paperwork. There's no paying. This is my son. You spoke it. And that's what it was. Yeah. It's a public declaration. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the second portion for whom I am well pleased, you will find that in the prophets. It's technically Isaiah 42, one. It'll say that word for word. Okay, so go in and study that. We want to give you some homework, I guess, because we, yeah. we don't have enough time to read all this. And then the last part, listen to him. We already read that in Deuteronomy 18, I think it was. Yeah. Um, listen to him. Moses said, there's someone coming after me, remember? And so the mind-blowing thing that I had, Aubrey, a second ago when you started talking about the baptism of Jesus, mm -hmm. the first portion is, this is my son, that's Psalms. The second portion is the prophets. There was Jesus and there was... John the Baptist baptizing him. So the Lord only put the Psalms, this is my son, because Jesus is his son, for whom I am well pleased, prophets. John was the prophet. He hadn't brought up the law part yet, listened to him until Moses was on the scene. Mm. So there was mm. another prophet symbolizing that statement, this is my son for whom I'm well pleased. Hold so, on, I'm going to say more later. That's pretty much what the yeah. Lord like. Yeah, so at that time, it was like everyone was there to bring the full fulfillment of the law 
the prophets yeah. and Psalms. And it was the timing together. that the Lord had intended because um, a little bit before this transfiguration, I mean, that was whenever Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan, because Jesus had just said, I'm going to die for the sins. Like, I'm going to die and I'll be risen again. And Peter said, oh, no, you're not. He wasn't listening. And Jesus had yeah. to say, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. And so the Lord had to add, you know, the Lord added, yeah. listen to him. Yeah. So, okay. So we have, we have this, yeah, I would say it was probably a week before this, before the transfiguration, yeah. Peter gets called Satan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. And then he got invited to be <clears throat> one of the three that gets to witness the transfiguration. Listen, Peter is my dude because Peter <clears throat> is the example that I get to look at and say, this dude was constantly falling short and Jesus kept bringing him along. Oh my God. Like, how do you go from a week ago? How do you, how do you over, like outlive being called Satan? You know what know. I mean? Like, but Peter must've had tough skin. He must've had tough skin. Cause, to. but so a week after being called Satan, he's literally talking about building tents in the presence <laughs> of Moses and Elijah. He's the first one to speak in yeah. the presence of all Dude, this. Dude, guy was fearless, man. <laughs> it was fearless. But here's another connection that I made. Um, and, and I'm not saying that this is, this is biblical. This is literally just something that, uh, I thought was cool. Uh-huh. Um, so in, in Exodus, right? Moses leads the people out of Egypt and they wander around in the desert for 40 years and he sends the spies into the promised land to mm-hmm. scope it out. All He sends out 12, 12 spies. Only Joshua and Caleb come back and they say, hey, there's giants in the land, but we can take them. Let's go. All the other 10 were filled with fear and they're like, there's no way we can do this. So as a punishment for their unbelief, Mm -hmm. God says that nobody will enter into the promised land of that except for Joshua and Caleb, Mm -hmm. basically saying that Moses wasn't going to get to go either. Yeah. And also uh, Moses hit that rock out of anger. Right. Well, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't because of everybody else's belief. Moses obviously fell short too. Yeah. I'm not trying to compare because we know, right, that Jesus is way up here. Moses is down here. Moses was just a regular guy that God used, right? So Moses fell short many times. And because of that, he never got to cross into the promised land. But it it was kind of an, an image for me of of the redemption mm-hmm. of God because <clears throat> during the transfiguration, where was this at? In the promised land. Mm-hmm. Whose feet were on the ground? Mm-hmm. Moses. And also he got a really good view while his feet were on the ground. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So then I'm sitting here going, I mean, I'm not, obviously. I, this I, ain't I, about Moses. Th- yeah, but... this isn't like a biblical thing that I'm, I'm preaching about where you can prove. But, but what if, mm-hmm. you know, what if this was God's way of, of showing his grace and mercy by letting Moses come down for this moment in the transfiguration to see what everything that his labor worked toward Mm -hmm. God told him before, you're not going to get to inherit the promised land, but here he is standing in the promised land at the transfiguration. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That just kind of hit me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. It's kind of just a sidebar. But yeah. anyway, I, I thought that was cool. And and so we, we have these guys up here. The transfiguration is, is a changing moment because this is the moment. The transfiguration happens. This is the moment that Jesus 
knows that his journey to Jerusalem to die is now in full effect. Yeah, it's coming. Um, and this might surprise you, but yeah. this could Mount Hermon could very well be the exact place that Jesus has already had already been at previously, and that it was after his baptism. And he was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Led All into of these, the wilderness. Anyways, there's just so many connections now that yeah. I'm talking. But just, you know, just spend time with the Lord on that because we don't have the time. But so it is, it is said that Mount Hermon is where the devil took Jesus to tempt him for one of the times that he did. Because he tempted him three times. So let me read to you the time where Jesus might have already been at Mount Hermon. This is Matthew 4, 8 through 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world mm. in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you bow down and worship me. And so the reason why they think, obviously, this is Mount Hermon is because it is the tallest mountain in Israel. You can literally see pretty much all of Israel from this mountain. Okay. So it's the only possible way to think of this scripture. Mm. And mm. so I can't help but think that Jesus obviously remembers this. This time of, tr- of, of temptation, this time of hunger, this time of thirst, this time of just digging in because he knows. He knows what his ministry looks like. He knows what he's going to do. He knows all these things. And coming back to the same place where the father says yet again, this is my son for whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Can you imagine how Jesus felt? The encouragement, the love. You know those times where you just really need your father to, Mm. you know, or someone that you love encourage you. I feel like it was, this was just so fulfilling for Jesus because it got him prepared. It it had his eye on what you were saying, Jerusalem on the cross, what he was going to have to do because man, he just had to call one of his best friends, Satan. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't believing what he was saying. Can you imagine how you'd feel? Like, why? You said that I'm the Messiah just a few days ago. How in the world are you telling me, no, this isn't going to happen, Jesus? I know you said it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen. You know, all these different things going through your head. And just the fact that, you know, it says a few chapters after. Um, so after the transfiguration, it says in Luke 9, 51, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, this is Jesus, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And I don't feel like he could without that set his face that is a very determined very straightforward this is where we're going and i really feel like with the father's encouragement of the transfiguration that jesus was able to really just have his face set yeah to just go not saying he wouldn't (laughs) go because jesus obviously was gonna go yeah well jesus knew what was in you know what was in store because you know he he says in in uh luke uh, they, you know, he told the disciples, I tell you everything written about me mm-hmm. in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened mm-hmm. their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written a long time ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. I, I think that, oh yeah, let me, let me finish it just for a second. Mm-hmm. In verse 47, wait, what is it? Hold on. This is the road to Emmaus. Yeah, this is the road to Emmaus. Um, so Luke 24, this is after everything happened, okay? Um, it was in verse 47, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, 
beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are the witnesses of all these things. Jesus is talking to his disciples right here, and he's saying, I, I love this because it says it's going to be proclaimed in authority, right? The same thing that the devil tried to tempt Jesus with at Mount Hermon the first time was authority over earthly realms. Mm -hmm. And now God brings Jesus back to Mount Hermon again to be transfigured, to give him the pep talk, to give him the, you know, the the words of encouragement to see out the rest of the journey Mm -hmm. in faith and, you know, to know that your dad has your back, Mm -hmm. right? And now Jesus is about to ascend that he's already died for you and for me. He, he was resurrected and he spent more time with the disciples. But now he's saying that this message was going to be proclaimed with authority, an authority that cannot be limited. Mm-hmm. So the very same thing that the devil tempted him with in the desert, when the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. led him there to be tempted, he, he tempted him with authority. And he said, I can give you all of these kingdoms all of this money, you can be wealthy, you can have power, all that authority was was just a counterfeit mm-hmm. for the authority that was set before him when he followed through with God's plan. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's amazing because Jesus was not tempted any different than you and I. The enemy oftentimes comes in and tries to offer us something different in place for what God really has mm-hmm. for us. And we we can get lost in the, oh my gosh, wow, what that's a lot of authority. But that authority that the enemy had to offer in that moment couldn't even touch what was about to come once God released his spirit on the mm-hmm. earth. And it will proclaim authority in all nations. I imagine from that view of Mount Hermon, Jesus saw many cities many kingdoms, you know, many temples, but this authority spreads the globe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like, boom. And so we're literally sitting here in this figurative, you know, this, this staple moment in Jesus's life. And when we were on our trip there in Israel, like I literally sat there and I was like, wow, one of, one of the greatest like points in the New Testament could have happened where we were sitting or even a few feet away. I mean, it's a big wide open space, but who knows? It's cool to think about that. You know what I mean? Like, so I was sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really was. And just diving into, I always was a little confused about the transfiguration. I never really yeah. knew exactly what it meant. I knew Elijah and Moses there was pretty cool. You know, I just didn't know much, but now yeah. it just has so much more. It's so packed with some amazing things. So you can re-listen if you did not get to write all of your notes. This is a lot of information, but it really, oh man, it's just such an amazing um, event that happened. And... I just love Jesus. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, I, I so I, w- I was looking at um, okay, so I'm looking at Second Peter, right? Because this is after oh, yeah. everything goes on. Yeah. Peter is literally writing 
um, this letter. And um, man, I- I'm trying to think mm. where it needs to go. Um, where where does it go from? Well, oh, okay. So yeah. So I, I want to start in verse 16 first. This is Second Peter, uh, just chapter one, mm-hmm. and starts in verse 16. And he says, "For we, for we not. Oh wait, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes." This is tying back to Matthew 17. Mm-hmm. He said, I got to see this with my own eyes. When he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. All right. And verse 19, because of that experience, we have great, even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must, play, you must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words were like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns, and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. I just sit there and think, imagine Peter is, is, is witnessing this amazing moment and he's even writing after. Peter knows that his life is coming to an end. Yeah, because he pretty much yeah, said, he pretty much said remember that. these things after I'm gone. Yeah, remember these things after I'm gone. <laughs> the same guy that got punked out by a little girl the day that Jesus was crucified is now saying that because of this experience, we, he's not saying me, mm-hmm. he's not saying me, he's not saying because of this experience, I have an even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. He's saying we, we all, because he was so sure about what he knew at this time that he's saying for us, for mm-hmm. future 2000 years later, we now have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. And yet again, he's saying, pay close attention to what they wrote. I, I think that we, we cannot take anything that happens in Scripture lightly. Mm-hmm. And everything, the whole story, the greatest love story ever told from Genesis to Revelation is all pointing toward Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we can't forget that. No. We can't look past that. It's, it's, it's right there. And so in those moments where you lack faith or, or you know, you're, you're swamped with fear, at the end of the day, a life with Christ is all that matters. And that's what studying this has really shown me is like, mm-hmm. man, everything, the whole time from beginning to end was always pointing toward Christ. Yes, yes, 100%. So with everything that I have, Everything about my story needs to be pointing towards Christ. Exactly. And let that be the story that's told about you and about us. Whew. Man. So yeah, there's Mount Hermon. Next week, we're going to talk about the base of Mount Hermon. We're going to talk about Caesarea Philippi and exactly why what we talked about today is so much more powerful mm. than you. I mean, it was it was good today, 
not because obviously not because of us, but because of the teaching of the Bible and all the yeah. dots that are connecting. It was powerful. But next week, we're going to talk about why it could even be elevated another notch. There's no way. Because of exactly what was happening at the base of the mountain where this amazing God-filled mm. moment happened. God does everything intentionally, and He will mm. use any place, anybody, anywhere that He wants to. Mm-hmm. Man. So we'll see you next so week. So stay tuned. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys had a great time. Um, we always love doing this. I hope that it ministered to you. Uh, but anyway, we'll see you here. Same time, same place next week. Yeah. We'll see you then. See you later. Bye.